Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. My name is, I'm your host, Rick Cates, um, <laughs> and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And we are also joined today by Matt DeFazio, owner and operator of Wildlife by Design. How's it going, guys? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Um, so, Matt, we wanted to have you on because you've, um, one, you're an awesome taxidermist, and two, you've done something super cool um, pairing with us for a really cool giveaway that we'll talk about you know, later on in the episode. So I kind of first wanted to ask you, you know, what, what, what is your background in the outdoors? How, how did you come to be, you know, you know, in the outdoors, in the outdoors business and, and things like that? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, first off, I, my dad, uh, I was introduced uh, into the hunting uh, field by my by my dad. We uh, we did a lot of squirrel hunting when I was young. Uh, squirrel hunting was extremely fun to me. It was it was I was excited pretty much every chance that we were able to go. We would uh, my dad would take me out usually on the weekends, and we'd go to the small the small spot. I remember the small woodlot that was just it was fantastic. And I obviously I've shot my, shot my first fox squirrel there. And from that, it just, it, it stemmed and, uh, we went, moved on to, my dad would take me deer hunting. And I just, I had a growing passion for the outdoors. It wasn't necessarily, uh, harvesting animals. It was, it was the smells and the sounds and just being, being in the woods was just, uh, it was one of those things was just amazing. Um, as far as, from there, I, uh, I basically got into taxidermy through a, a simple class that I took through hawking. I was in hawking college for, for management, wildlife management, and a buddy of mine had recommended uh, an elective. And he said, hey, we, let's, take this, let's take this elective in the evenings, you know, if you have a free evening. So that's, mm -hmm. that is basically where it all started. Uh, and I found out that, you know, Hey, this is something that, that I'm really interested in. And I never, never expected it. Never thought that I would, uh, get into it as a, you know, as a full-time career. So, uh, but that's, that's how it started. And from there we were, uh, we were in class. I, I worked with a, with a phenomenal artist and from, uh, from about two, two to three years working with him. I really decided that, you know, from there it was something that I wanted to pursue uh, and stick with. So I did. I ended up taking various courses with with various guys um, just to kind of get my my feet wet, so to speak. But mainly, mo most of my my game heads and um, life size and African, I'm I'm self taught. Um, it's, oh, wow. it's extensive research. It's extensive study. There's, there's a lot that really goes into a piece. It's, it's not, um, it's not necessarily just 
sliding a cape on a form, so to speak. There's, there's a mm -hmm. lot to the anatomy, you know, anatomy and, uh, musculatures, you know, why is, why are certain things the way they are, ear rotations and eye rotations, um, and things, you know, things to create that expression, so to speak. So I could, I could listen to that all day. You could listen to that all day. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. I tell you, it's, um, it, it is a passion and I've, I've been doing it now for close to 25 years, uh, and have been, <clears throat> been building, I should say, building my business for 25 years, been full-time for about 12 years now. And it's just been, I mean, it's been a, it's been a beautiful ride. I've been blessed with a lot of, a lot of great clients that I work with and, uh, blessed with a lot of work and, um, enjoy, enjoy going to work every day. <laughs> That's cool. Like I, you know, I don't ever think of, of that, of that kind of stuff as being, you know, one of the, the driving forces behind it. But I, 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 you know, one of the even more different things that I think about is, is that I, that Hawking college had a taxidermy course. Like I, I would, I would have never thought of that. Same. Yeah, actually, it was Jack Patton um, was the gentleman, the taxidermist that offered the classes to uh, at, at Hawking. He he had them. I don't remember what the days were, but he would offer them. I think they were three three evenings a week where you could go down. They were a couple hours, I think, each night, and we could go down and we learned um, just various things. We we talked about tanning. Um, we talked about different you know different skinning and prepping and techniques for uh for various pickling solutions i mean it was it was pretty obviously it was pretty hands-on but it was also at the same time it was pretty it it, it kind of set the the tone and set the mood for um the future uh and and to uh to expand <clears throat> on so i feel like you know i owe him a lot he was he was a super guy to work with and um just just an amazing artist amazing artist so Gotcha. So when you are mounting your mammals, are you using a wet tan? Yes, actually everything, everything that, that gets mounted is a wet tan. Now with the exceptions of, you know, with the exceptions of a rug, we're all familiar with what, you know, basically like a bare skin rug looks like. Sure. Yeah. So when that hide is prepped and sent to my tannery, it comes back as a, I specifically have those done as a dry tan. The difference between a dry tan and a wet tan is a dry tan is tumbled or broke so that it becomes soft and pliable and it's obviously dry. So when it comes back like that, then I come back in and rehydrate the head portion, the head and neck portion uh, in which I'm going to mount the shell or the, or the head mannequin. Sure. And then okay. that dries and then basically the rug work continues. But yes, everything mammal wise that's going to get life size mounted or or half life size mounted is going to be a wet tan, what we refer to as a wet tan. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you like. Like what's your what's your f most just the most favorite animal that you've <laughs> ever, ever mounted? the my most favorite that i've ever mounted uh um, yeah wow 
Well, actually, <laughs> I don't know if I have a, I don't know if I have a favorite. The um, answer is my 200 inch deer. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that probably should be up there first and foremost. Um, <laughs> that should be, that probably should be first and, first and foremost. Yeah, he, he was an amazing, that was an amazing animal. I'm not going to get into that, but um, I, a lot of guys ask me what my favorite, I thought you were going to refer to what my favorite animal is to mount. And that's really a tough, a tough uh, question to answer, to be honest with you. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy, I enjoy a lot of them. I enjoy doing whitetails, obviously. Um, I enjoy whitetails, but I really call me crazy, but I really enjoy mountain turkeys. <laughs> I, I can tell like, Turkey, don't, yeah. and, you know, with, with your animals, of course they're all, you know, they look great, but the turkeys are just, you know, I'll, I'll even go a little step further. I think it's like, uh, uh, like everything that you mount that lays eggs is just above everything else. Like I, I was <laughs> looking through that. some of your stuff and your fish look amazing. And one of the things that caught my eye over just about everything was a snapping turtle that you did. And I thought that is the freaking coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Those, those were interesting projects. I, I get these interesting projects from time to time. And um, <laughs> that was actually fun to work with. Uh, not something I see every day, but yes, sure. Definitely something fun, but no, I do. I do have a, I do have a weird passion for, for turkeys. I, I don't know a lot of, I've got a lot of taxi friends that absolutely hate doing them. Sure. And, um, I hear a lot, you know, through the grapevine that there's a lot of guys that don't like to do them, but I guess I'm one of those weird guys that, uh, I enjoy them. I mean, they're, uh, they're hey. a lot of work, but they're fun. So they, they look like they're a, they're a hell of a lot of work, but you know, they're, they're so beautiful when they're all said and done with, um, you know, I've, you know, definitely looked at your work too. And I'm just like, good grief. Like that. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, Thank which you. I guess, I guess kind of leads me to, uh, you know, one of the main questions that I have, um, like we're, we're, we're in Turkey season right now. Mm -hmm. Um, what are like, from your perspective as a taxidermist, what are some of the do's and don'ts if someone's going to bring you a bird that they would like to have mounted? That's a great question. And, and I get that question a lot. And the best advice that I can give guys and gals that are interested in having one mounted is to take care of the bird first and foremost in the field. Try not to step on the bird. I, I do have some guys that, um, they feel that they need to step on the bird and hold the bird down. You're going to cause, you know, a lot of, of excess damage to the bird that, that really doesn't need to be. The, the best thing to do is when you're, when you're in the field, carry him out of the field, obviously don't, you know, drag him out of the field. Maybe, <laughs> maybe put him in a, put him in a, you know, a vest or something like that and, and carry him out of the field. When you get him out of the field, get him, you know, get, make the call to whoever you're going to, you know, have the work done. Cause a lot of guys do like to save the meat. They like the bird breasted out. And, and I certainly do that and put the breast back for guys. Uh, you'll want, if that's something that is not of interest or, or can't be done due to time frame, um, some clients, you know, they have a, 
a, a pretty far drive to the studio, then you're going to want to take that bird and fold him up as, you know, as nice and as neat as you can uh, and put him in a, you know, pretty heavy trash bag and put him in the freezer. When okay. you do that, leave that trash bag open. Don't seal that bag up. Leave that trash bag open you know, for a couple days in the freezer, it's not going to hurt. And what that's going to do is going to, it's going to allow the body heat of that bird to escape and not create what we call a, a greenhouse effect. Now, okay. when you do put him down in that, you know, that bag, don't, don't cinch the tail up. Don't, don't wrap, you know, anything, you know, rope wise or string wise around that tail, just fold it up uh, and put him, you know, put him in the bag as nice and as neat as you can, and then contact whoever's going to do the, the work for you. Good deal. Cause I mean, that that's one of the things that I always <clears throat> wonder about because, you know, when, when you get something like a bird, um, mm-hmm. the first thing is, you know, whether it's ducks or geese or just something that you really, you know, you think, man, this is make a really good mount. I, I, I don't think people really know what to do with them other than, you know, what I was taught when I was little, which is put in the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. but then there's, it's like, there's no care tips before that or like how you need to put him in the freezer or her in the freezer, whatever. Um, so that, that's, that's super helpful to know to like not allow that, you know, condensation effect to happen within the, within the bag, which I would imagine just does it get on the feathers and just like make it worse to try to handle, or does it just kind of put an overall ruin on the, on the animal itself? You mean as far you're talking about condensation? Like the greenhouse effect within the bag, like not leaving the bag. Oh open. well, yeah. Basically, as with anything, and and I'll use, um, well, you can use turkeys, you can use bear, you can use a lot of them for an example. You'll you'll have, especially like on a turkey, you'll have that body heat. They'll hold th- those feathers are super insulators, and then you take that combined with the bird being folded up with his wings being folded up. He's holding all that body heat in. So what that does is it just allows, it allows the, uh, an increased chance of the bird um, spoiling is what it will do. And when you get into something that is, uh, when you get into spoiling, that's certainly going to affect the skin. And then on birds, I, I don't see this that often. I've probably in my whole career, I've maybe seen it once or twice. You will get what's called feather rot. And it's the same thing that you get when you get slipping in a whitetail. So, and mm. in, in when I when I say that greenhouse effect, it, you're getting that warming in that bag, which prolongs, okay. basically prolongs the growth of bacteria, which obviously is bad for the meat and the skin. So, yeah. by leaving that bag open, you're just allowing that heat to escape uh, that much quicker. Bears are another thing. I was going <clears> to mention <throat> bears just real quick. Uh, a prime example is, you know, you've, you've harvested a beautiful bear and the outfitters getting ready to skin it. I, I will say that there are a lot of great outfitters out there that do know how to handle, um, you know, handle trophies and things of that nature. But there are some that need, uh, you know, need a little more education when it comes to that. A bear is the same way mm-hmm. you'll want to, when that bear is skinned out, You'll want to leave that skin just laid out and let that body, let the heat escape. Um, okay. You, you don't want to take it directly off of the carcass, roll it up and put it in a bag. Cause what you're doing is trapping that heat in the skin 
and prolonging that time for that bacteria to start setting in. Okay. So it's just, and that's just an added precaution. That's pretty much for anything. White tails, uh, muleys, antelope. You just, once you cape that animal out, let it, let it chill down a second. You could even take it if there's a walk-in cooler or you have a fridge, just lay it out. Um, you could put it in the bag, but leave that bag open and let that heat escape and, you know, then seal it up maybe after a couple days and get it to, uh, whoever's going to do the work for you. Nice. So that's super helpful information. For those of you that don't understand what slippage is, what he was talking about, maybe, and Matt Matt might correct me and tell me about something worse, but uh, slippage is by far the worst thing you could see as a taxidermist, I think. Uh, And essentially, that's a part of the breaking down or rotting process where the hair literally, you could just barely brush your finger on the animal and the hair will come out. And at that point, you're kind of screwed for the most part. Some guys can save some stuff, but for the most part, you're you're up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> you you are correct. It is it is one of those things that you know we as artists um, we definitely don't want to see that, and and we try to take every precaution and try to educate guys as as best we can to to take care of things. Deer, whitetail are notorious for uh for slippage or or at least can be if they're not handled properly i know you know you kill that you know that 170 180 inch it doesn't even have to be that you kill that really nice buck and you want to show everybody you know you want to show it off you want to take it around you want to show it to guys well sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate uh the best for those those instances and you're going to want to you know take care of it as soon as you can once that skin starts to basically once that bacteria starts to set in it opens basically opens those hair follicles and that's what you get uh or that root system and that's what you get you get that slippage and sometimes an animal can be saved uh and sometimes obviously not so yep. the the better that we can do you know the better that I can educate guys on those things the better off we're all going to be it's going to make my job a lot easier. And then I certainly don't have to make those dreaded phone calls about, um, you know, a Cape going bad and the next step that we need to take. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever had that happen actually was with my own deer when I was learning myself, which, you know, I'm not anything great, but I've been able to successfully mount a few whitetails at least and uh, a few fish and, uh, my my best buck uh, back in, I want to say it was 2012, first good buck, which, you know, isn't anything that I'd look at now, but then super special. And he was a really big body deer and a short haired cape. Um, so he was kind of special. And uh, when I salted the cape, I did not put the cape at an angle for anything to drain. And so, and I think I put God, thinking back, I could just kick myself in the face. I think I put like an inch of salt on this thing. So essentially it pulled all the liquid out of the cape and then just sat it there, wet, bloody salt on the Mm. cape. And uh, I went to start trying to flesh the deer and hair was coming out everywhere. And I just started crying. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was rough. (laughs) That can be, that definitely can be rough. And uh, it's definitely not something... 
like I said, those are those are phone calls that I just just don't like to make. But it happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. And um, but like I said, the better the better educated that that we can be, the the better off everyone is as far as agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One Absolutely. thing I I just I wanted to add or or basically back up on talking about birds um, and handling birds. Obviously, they're a they're a whole different ball game versus you know feathers versus hair. And you know when you're when you're in the field with a turkey or something like that, and you're looking at it, you wanna you want to handle it delicately. You don't want to throw it around, and you don't want to you know back brush the feathers on the ground or things like that. You wanna you want to take care of it. They're not, uh, I, I should say, I should say haired, you know, mammals and things like that are a little, a little more resilient than your birds. Your birds can actually be destroyed in the field. A, a great looking specimen can be destroyed in the field before it even reaches mm-hmm. the taxidermist due to the handling. Uh, a lot of it too can be the way the dog, maybe, you know, a lot of guys are using retrievers and things of that nature. And I've seen a lot of damage done, unfortunately, by dogs to to some really good birds. So, wow, point that out as well. Yeah, sometimes it's not, especially on uh, ducks. If it's if it's a really nice bird, sometimes it's not a. Maybe it's a good idea to go out and retrieve the bird yourself. <laughs> yeah, wow, I've, I've seen some dogs do some really some really bad uh, feather damage to birds. So. So, I mean, it, it's, it's really good to know that because that lets everybody know <clears throat> your, your mounting technically starts in the field. Um, <laughs> You're correct. Um, Absolutely. If, if, if you want something that's going to be, you know, with you for any period of time, you got to make sure that you respect the animal in the field and make sure that there's not, you know, undue harm coming to it after you've, you've harvested it. So that, I mean, that's, those are things that I don't think a lot of guys think of when they, you know, when they say, man, I'm going to get this buck mounted or man, I want to get these, these birds mounted. It's like, you don't want to just, you know, throw them in a gunny sack and then chuck them in the back of your truck. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good deal. Good deal. So, I mean, but both, both you guys do taxidermy. I'm, I'm kind of the layman here. I don't, I don't know. A whole, <laughs> I'm, a lot I'm about lame it. too, Rick. Trust me. I'm lame too. <laughs> Um, but you know, when, when you, Matt, when you, you know, get, this is something that I've always kind of wondered. You mentioned African stuff. When you get stuff from Africa or from trips abroad, Uh how, how different is it mounting something like that versus, a white tail that a guy might bring in like a day later or something along those lines. Wow. We don't really have enough time to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Can can, can Um, you give us the, uh, the the nitty gritty, like uh, the short and condensed version? uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I, uh, I, as my career progresses, I I'm doing more and more of the African stuff and I, Uh um, it's night and day. I mean, without getting into great detail, some of the uh-huh. African stuff, can be, <laughs> um, it can be an absolute nightmare. Uh, just to give you an example, um, you, you just don't know. You don't know how things are going to are going to come in. Um, so to give you just a rough scenario <clears throat> on a safari, 
um, that comes in. I have a broker that handles everything. I don't have to deal with all the paperwork and everything. He he works with me and takes care of all of, of customs and the legalities. So when everything is is shipped to uh, an FDA approved uh, facility, okay, then it's unpacked and and when it gets here, it's all salt dried. And it's supposed to be turned and fleshed and salted and things of that nature. You, you're getting in, you know, Africa is not something that everyone can afford to go to, you know, once even, you know, sometimes once, let alone five or six. I've got a guy that I've been working with that's been there seven times now. Wow. And um, I've, I've done a tremendous amount of work for, for these individuals and, Thank God they have a great pH that they work with, which is a professional mm-hmm. hunter. And he has within his group, he'll have trackers and skinners and, and guys that work for him. And not everybody's created equal. Um, some of the things that I get in, they look like they're skinned with a chainsaw. And <laughs> it's my job to bring those animals back to, you know, back to life, so to speak. And, and it's it's a tough it's a tough situation and you're dealing with super short haired animals. Some animals have no hair. There's, there's different techniques and ways to hide seams and things of that nature, but everything in Africa has wrinkles and it gets, it gets tough creating that and knowing exactly where those look Mm -hmm. the best with the animals. I did, I've never done a giraffe in my life. And I've got two this past season to do. Wow. And the first one that I ever did right out of the gate was a complete custom alter the head and neck. I'll never cut. forget that. Did, did you, did you get I, on my page and oh, uh, progress on that? <laughs> uh, I watched, I believe it was posted. I don't know if you did it or if I shared it, but it was on the page. Cause I followed that. Yeah, yeah. It was three days of, uh, basically altering that neck and, and putting that puzzle back together exactly the way, you know, my client would want to see it. So I, I got my feet really wet on that first, you know, on that first draft, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, you're, you know, as with any animal, you're taking, you know, what you've learned. Um, a lot of guys will ask, you know, how do you know how to, you know, mount this or how do you know how to put together this or what this looks like? Uh, that goes back on study. Um, I do Mm -hmm. a lot of study, do a lot of research on animals. I'm fascinated by animals. And when I look at something in the field, I'm looking at, you know, movement and I'm looking at why does, you know, why does the tail work this way? The back legs work this way. I'm looking at things that nobody really thinks about the average. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess the same people, you know, I'm one of those crazy people that look at things just, I look at things differently. I can't help it. So it all goes (laughs) back on, on things like that. And well, I think that's too, that's important to to tell everybody too, is, you know, they're hearing you talk about taking care of these animals so well after you've shot them in the face. And I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that don't understand um, when, when you go to Matt, uh, you're not taking your bird to just be mounted. It's going to look amazing and and there's a reason behind that and it's not just his skill but that advice he's giving you know maybe he can fix some things but if you destroy the bird well then it's not going to look as good so he's just trying to get the most out of your mount and your memory for you absolutely absolutely and it's 
it's unfortunate that there, and I hate to say it, but there is, there is some of that mentality out there that, you know, all he, if he's good, he can fix that. If, if he's good, it, he's, oh, God. he has no problem doing that. <laughs> and I, I do, I cringe when I, when I hear that. Now I've, you know, I fixed some pretty interesting things, but I don't, I, I don't like to brag about that. I don't want to have to do that, you know? Right, it's, right. There are unfortunate circumstances that do happen, unfortunately, that do happen to guys, you know, their trophy or their animals. And I will do my best, you know, uh, to help them to work out that situation. But if we can avoid those situations, it's all the better. What would you say is, you don't have to say the craziest, but what would you say one or two things that were a pretty big fix that you've done that kind of blew your mind maybe? Well, I'll tell you, one totally comes to my, it comes to my mind every time. And it was a life-size <laughs> bobcat that, that I had to do for a gentleman. The bobcat was shot quartering away with a 308. Oh, God. Oh, and yeah, you mentioned a 30 cal and a bobcat. They usually don't go in the same sentence, or at least I wouldn't <laughs> think so. So Good grief. Yeah, it was, it was, it was shot quartering away with a, with a 308. And the bad thing about it is the, the bullet didn't exit like you would think quartering away through, you know, the opposite shoulder or behind the shoulder. It exited through the throat. Mm. Oh, geez. It exited through the front of the animal where, you know, everybody's going to be looking. So, sure. Um, fortunately for that cat and that gentleman, uh, everything was pretty much there. And it was just a matter of, a, you know, piecing back the puzzle, piecing uh, together back the puzzle. And that, that cat turned out beautiful. I was extremely happy with that cat. Wow. Um, but I told him never to shoot a cat with a 308 again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy put a 12-gauge slug through the ear butt of a uh, deer. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that was, and, and keep in mind, you know, I'm not, I've, I've done like 15 deer tops in my life. So, yeah. uh, and never had anybody show me or I just YouTube stuff and mess around and pester you or Travis Moose or, or, uh, <laughs> what's the other guy that I follow, uh, Rick, uh, from Michigan, um, oh, yeah. which Rick his Steele. whitetails are stupid. God, he's, he's, he's he, phenomenal. Uh, yep. he is a phenomenal whitetail taxidermist. So, yeah. um, you know, I actually ended up fixing it. And again, you know, this is my version of fixing it is probably a little different from yours. I was excited to be able to close that hole and then not have it pop back open when it dried. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, cause I knew, you know, it's, in, it's not in the spot where people are going to be looking anyway, but when right. they, as you know, uh, and I'm, I would assume that you're dealing with a much different clientele as well, but uh, nonetheless, when people pick up their animals, they're feeling for seams and they're six inches from its face and, uh, right, you know, right. petting it and everything. And I'm like, ah, just tell me you like it and leave. <laughs> well, the, the, I guess the, the bad thing when I, I, and I got probably, I know I got two or three in this, this past season that were like that. Uh, but when it becomes bad in particular one, uh, like you said, it was basically shot at the base of the ear, but the, 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 the fragments and everything actually destroyed the skull plate. So, mm. um, when the deer came in, it was, you know, it was, you couldn't handle it by the antlers, obviously. And I had to piece back and make 
what we, you know, what we do in the business as a, make an artificial skull plate. So there was, there was extensive, the, the whole, uh, repairing the hole was the easy part, uh, versus, versus the skull plate. It wow. was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So, I mean, you know, you see a lot of things like that. And, um, unfortunately one that was one that really comes, another one that really comes to mind. I had a woman come in the studio literally in tears one deer season. This had been maybe two, probably two seasons ago. She had shot her best buck and she had put the buck down and the animal was still alive when she walked up on it. And her husband instructed her to, you know, put a, put a final shot on the animal. But when she did, um, the, the, the bullet actually, the animal, when she shot it, the bullet come out and went across both antlers Uh, and and she took off a main beam. She shattered a tine on the other side and she, she did so much damage to the antlers that, uh, pretty sure I remember this rebuild. She was, you might, I, I did post this one and, uh, I was able to, uh, piece back what I had. And then obviously I like to rebuild time. So I rebuilt most of everything that was shattered and, uh, I was really happy how it turned out, but, uh, yeah, that it was, was amazing. a bad one. That, that was a bad one that I could remember. And I just, and obviously the way that she was, she was pretty emotional when she came in and then she was really happy when she came to pick the animal up. So that, that really makes me happy. Oh I, Yeah. That's awesome when I can uh, when I can do something like that for someone. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, I saw that and I, I've done one time, actually two time fixes, two two rebuilds, if you will, and uh, it's pretty cool to do. And when I saw that you were doing like a large portion of a main beam, I was just like, "Wow, this, here's another one I'm going to check out." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a whole different uh, that's a whole different ball game or art form too. And there's, I've been I've been years and years trying to perfect uh, trying to perfect a a coloration scheme, if you will. Because, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, if you have any, you know, any any artistic talent or or, or you've you know got any art background, the 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 tines is pretty much the easiest thing to build. Um, right. sculpt, you know, building a tine or rebuilding the burring or, or something like that on the antlers. It's matching that color that people yeah. are going to see. And, uh, fortunately, I mean, it's taken years and years, but fortunately I've, I've finally come up with something that I don't want to say is foolproof, but it, it works extremely well. It, it works extremely well. And that, and the most important thing for your next one, Chris the most important thing to remember is to match the base color first. Don't yeah. worry about don't worry about the coloration of the antlers because antlers can be you know there's lots of different umbers and chestnutty mm-hmm. colors and things like that on on whitetails. Find that base color and it's never it's never just a white. You know it can be an off white. It can be a slight you know white ochre mix. But if you match that base color the rest is easy as far as exploration. So that's what I've been telling. I've been telling a lot of guys as far as, you know, as far as antler rebuilds are concerned. Yeah. Um, Because everybody wants to know, you know, they want to know what colors and everything. And 
and I just tell them, you know, I give them the colors and, but I, I very, I'm extremely, um, I let them know that the, the base color is the most important part of that. If, if you can match that, that's, that's it. You're on your way to hopefully okay. producing Good something deal. a lot better. So one of the other reasons that we wanted to have you on today, Matt, <clears throat> is you've done a pretty awesome thing with partnering with us. Um, I would say, Chris, it's the biggest thing that we've ever done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hands so, down. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Matt, if, if you would, um, could you kind of tell us a little bit about what you're what you're doing for us and the reasons behind wanting to do it. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I am offering a life-size turkey mount, um, for one lucky individual. Uh, that mount is going to be on a cast limb for the wall, or it is going to be on a custom octagonal barn siding base for the floor or table. Uh, I wanted, I've been wanting to do something like this. I've, I've worked in the past, um, with, with guys on doing things for, um, for special event groups and things like that. I've, I've produced some mounts for, for USSA and, and things like that. And mm -hmm. this was something, uh, and I spoke, I believe I spoke with Chris about this before and we were trying to get something together, but it's a way for me to give back, to be honest with you, I've been, uh, I've been blessed with, you know, I've been blessed with, with talent and I've been blessed with, with more work than I can handle at times. And it's the least I can do. And, and not only that, it's, I want to be able to provide this particular mount and, and this particular mount for someone that maybe really can't afford to have something like that done, whether it be, um, you know, a, a small, you know, a kid, a kid's first Turkey. It could mm -hmm. be a teenagers. It could be, you know, a 60 year old man's first Turkey. I wanted, I wanted to do something for somebody that, you know, really wants to have it done, but never <clears throat> thought about having it done due to costs and, you know, yeah. maybe not being able to do something, um, with it. So that, that was the reasoning, you know, behind this. Uh, I, like I said, I just, I want to give back and, and I, I want to make this maybe a, you know, an annual thing. Maybe we'll do something and, and this will work out for the best for somebody each and every year. And they can not only look back on the memories in the field that they had with their dad or their son or their brother or their mom, but they're going to have a fantastic piece of art to go with it that they can always look back on and remember those, you know, those memories and that time in the field. That's freaking awesome. That's so cool, man. And, and that's, that, that's one of the things that, <clears throat> Chris and I were talking about sportsmanship a little while ago. And, you know, this is one of those things that will make such a lasting impression in somebody's life to commemorate, <clears throat> you know, a time that they get to spend do, doing something that we all really, really love to do. And it's going to bring back that flood of memories and, 
allow somebody to tell help tell that story with with the help that you're providing by by you know donating this amount and it it's you know a a, a full size turkey mount is just one of the coolest things i i just i think that it is <laughs> they it are is. <laughs> it really is i'd take one turkey over 10 big, big bucks honestly they're 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 so cool i mean i'm i I also think too you know um i think matt's kind of a turkey idiot like myself uh it's it's one of those things where there's guys that like turkey hunting and then there's that special breed of uh silly we'll call it that uh you know like the other day i'm waking up at 145 to drive Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, three hours to go turkey hunting with a buddy and I'm not even carrying a gun. You know, it's just, uh, there's something about those birds that just gets to some people differently than it does everybody else. And I've, I've spoke with Matt. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's traveled all over the place and killed all kinds of birds and, and, uh, really enjoys doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I would consider you normal. I mean, that's just, that's just normal thinking for me. I mean, I, I've, uh, I, I've I agree. 2,300 2, miles to kill a bird, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. Not, and my, I've got buddies that are just, you know, it's like, what are you stupid? Are you crazy? It's yeah, just a, yeah. it's just a big yes. chicken. And that's I why I hear said that. Yeah. I've, I've got a, uh, I've got a really good friend of mine that just refers to him as a black chicken. Um, and uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he hates turkey hunting and, and we just, I, we get together in the spring and if we're fishing on a lake or something, I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about turkeys. I'm, I'm just not allowed. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about turkey hunting, but yeah, it's just, oh yeah. It's trying to explain it to other people though, that don't understand. And there's some people that. Uh, you know, they've been and maybe they didn't have a good experience or really, I mean, there's also a little piece there too with people. It's almost like, uh, similar with public land guy, like people that want to earn something like Turkey, you know, a deer, you can throw a stand up anywhere in Ohio and kill a deer. You might not kill a, uh, Ohio big buck, but Mm -hmm. you can go kill a deer, but I don't care who you are, even though our population is about as good as I've seen it. Yeah, I don't care what you say. You can't just go kill a turkey, and they're the most stressful damn animal I have ever hunted in my life. <laughs> you love they, them, they, hate them. Yeah, you do. I mean, you could be doing everything perfectly, and then if one little thing goes wrong in the universe, or nothing goes wrong, they still freak out and bob their heads as they're running away, as if you just threw a brick at them. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> Well, um, guys, we've, we've done almost, you know, an hour. So, wow. We have, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, kind of nuts. So, uh, Matt, uh, I'd like, I'd like, if you would plug your business and tell people where to find you at. Yeah. It's, uh, I own and operate wildlife by design. Um, my website, I do have a website that is wildlifebydesign.com. There's a full gallery there and lots of information to look at. And I also do Instagram and I also do Facebook. Uh, I have two pages on Facebook, actually. One is Wildlife by Design and the other page is Wildlife by Design, Just Turkeys. So 
Oh, Ooh, my favorite I like page. that. <laughs> oh, so, I, I was not aware of this. You was not. You were not aware of that page. I don't know that I was. You know, actually, I think the last post that you put up, which was the bird that we were all the birds that we were oh, all yeah. gawking at, um, I saw just turkeys. But for some reason, I thought that that was like a photo album from oh, your no. page. Yeah, so no, I will be going page. to that page. Oh wow. Yeah, that's a totally separate page. Check that out. There's uh, a lot of my turkey. Obviously, it's just turkey, so it's nothing but turkey work on there. And there's a lot of information on there as well. So Dang. Well, we'll have to share that one, too. Now, tell me, when uh, when will you be offering your taxidermy classes, Matt? You know, <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I had started doing whitetail courses years ago. And it was funny because I, I started doing a one day, it all started out as a one day whitetail finishing course for obviously guys that have already mounted whitetails. Right. That, I, I mean, I started, uh, I started, you know, basically bass backwards, I guess you could say. And that really took off. I was, I, I mean, I was busy and scheduling that. And then as, as my workload increased and increased, I had to cut back on those courses. And then I started doing full mounting courses. We started, I started doing some Turkey courses and then, you know, with getting so busy now, um, I haven't been doing any courses. Yeah. I, I hope to someday maybe scale back my work and start doing the courses because there's my courses are, they are one-on-one and they're hands-on. Uh, oh wow! My turkey nice. courses. The the last one I did with a gentleman, um, I believe, I believe he came down from Michigan. I think I can't rem- uh, I can't remember to be honest with you. But anyway, he I mounted a bird right right alongside of him. So it it's not a my courses aren't. You're not going to come in and watch me do something. You're going to come in and mount something with me. So that's I, amazing. I have, I've always felt like that's the best way that's the best way to learn. It, it's either that or you're going to quickly realize that you, you really enjoy it and maybe have a little bit of talent to do it. Or you're going to quickly realize, man, this is not for me. <laughs> I, I, days, uh, so. I did my first tail fan the other day. And I, I know that this is like the least big thing ever, but um, it was surprisingly easier than I thought it would be. Well, those are kind of important too, though. I, I hope, I really hope you got it really clean. I, I got it. Very, so I didn't, uh, it was just for my DSD decoy. Um, okay. But I did, I, I, I skinned back the skin uh, and then uh, put some borax, you know, I cut off whatever I could and then put some mm-hmm. borax on there and wire brushed it really well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I did this the day before the opener in Kentucky and my buddies, you know, because I have just this tiny little bit of knowledge, I, I had the advantage, but my buddy's like, that's not going to dry in time, bro. Yeah. And I was like, well, I got a little trick. It's called Bondo. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will give you a little tip on those tails because it seems like, you know, a lot of guys are doing their own tails and that's fine if they don't want to, you know, obviously they pay a, a professional to do it, but I'll getting it clean is the most important part. And I, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why really quick. Um, if you leave a lot of excess meat and fat on anything like that, and let's say that you 
take that tail and you put it in your game room or you take that tail and you put it somewhere where you've got other mounts, you could possibly bring in bugs that you do uh, not want near those sense. mounts or near anything that you have ah. in your home. So the best thing on those tails, yes, borax is, is the best. I use borax on all my bird skins. It's I won't get into yep. I won't get into skin composition and everything like that, but borax works excellent for birds. Um, not so much for mammals, in, in my opinion. Yeah. But if you take a fork, you could just simply do this if you don't have a wire wash. Oh. Take yourself a fork. When you lay that tail out and you've got it skinned back and you've exposed those tail quills and you see all after you remove the meat and the tailbone off of that, you expose those quills and that or quills and that's what you saw, correct? Yes. Yeah. Take yourself a fork. Okay. Once you've trimmed most of that meat off between the quills with a knife, which you can do, uh, and be careful doing that with a knife, take that fork and run it up alongside of those quills as far up in there as you can and just keep raking it back, raking it off, raking it off. You will start pulling all of that fatty, that meat and that fatty tissue off of there. Yeah. And you'll get them really, really clean that way. And then rub that borax up in there and then shake it off and then lay it out to dry. And then you're done. Nice. Yeah. Man. There's so many guys out there doing little tips like that, man. Yeah. They're doing their own tail mounts and that's fine. That's great. That's a good, uh, sometimes that's a good starter for guys that, you know, want to get into it and others, you know, they just want to do it for themselves. Uh, but you know, if you do, I still like to see guys get them clean because I see so many guys cutting that tail off and leaving all that meat on and then <laughs> thinking borax is just going to be this miracle worker. And they yep. just, they cover it in borax and they leave it like that for a couple of days. That's not going to, you know, that's, it's basically a Band-Aid. So yeah, just a tip, that fork works excellent if you don't have a, a wire wheel. Sure. Yeah. And the borax, correct me if I'm wrong, but the borax is basically like... uh to sort of cut the oil or whatever and help you grip and get that stuff out, right? It will, but it is, it's also a preservative. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, borax is also a preservative. I And like I said, I don't, I don't want to get into skin composition and things like that, but it, it works amazing for bird skins. It, it's, it was almost like it was made for bird skins. Um, not so much mammals. I know, I know guys like to use DP or what's called dry preserve and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and borax, a, a borax mix for, for your mammals. But, um, that's not something that I do in my studio. Everything's professionally tanned, but, but for birds, I mean, ducks and geese and, you know, all your waterfowl and turkeys, it works great. It works. So that's great. basically how you're preserving their skin is with borax. Oh yeah. My turkeys, okay. my, all my turkeys are done with borax after they're completely wire wheeled, fleshed, and then washed and blow dried. Obviously then we come in and do, do the borax. Yes. Beautiful. Well, I apologize for all the pestering I'm about to do to you. Because <laughs> hey, no, I, just, no. I just killed the best bird of my life and there's no way in hell I'm not mounting it. Awesome. So, awesome. Um, yeah. You definitely, and you definitely want to get it clean. Do you have a, uh, do you have a setup like that? Do you have a wire wheel? I have a wire wheel and a coupler and a motor, and I need oh, to make okay. the mount to put it on. Uh, I saw the guy on YouTube, my father-in-law and I did, and okay. what he was saying makes sense. So I think I should be able to piece that together. Okay. Um, so, But I'll probably pester the living hell out of you to try to 
get Not whatever. A I, I, I will say it, this: turkey skins are tough, which is good. You definitely, yes. if you don't have any experience on a wire wheel, you definitely don't want to be wire wheeling like a mallard or something like that for your first time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but turkey skins can be tough. They can be resilient and they're good skins to, to work with and practice. Just, you know, okay. yeah, definitely with that wire wheel, you want to take your time and um, you want to go, you know, with the quills okay. and, and get between those quills and get that fat off. But it's a, it's a learning experience, but at the same time, a wire wheel is really not that hard to learn once you, you know, you'll start picking it up as far as tension um, you know, and pressure, sure. the, the skin up against that wheel. Um, and I recommend a course wheel, which you can buy at Lowe's or Menards or something like that. And okay, I mean, mine's set up the same way. I made a, I'm, my bird flesher is a homemade bird flesher. And I made my, made my own simply because <clears throat> the, um, the commercial ones just aren't strong enough in my opinion. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. The, the motors just aren't, uh, and they're set up that way for, you know, safety reasons, I would, I would assume, but <laughs> mine is, uh, liability. yeah, mine, mine gets the job done. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Good deal. So gotcha. Well, we well, appreciate Matt, it. Yeah. I want to, I want to thank you again for coming on and, you know, doing this partnership with us and coming on and sharing some knowledge with everybody as well. Absolutely. I, I thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the chance to, uh, to give back and hopefully make somebody's, uh, make somebody's turkey season, uh, a dream come true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, good deal. yeah, we'll have to have you back, uh, maybe over the summer and maybe talk a little bit of whitetail and, hey, uh, absolutely. also talk to these guys who, travel west and stuff about yeah i'd prep and all that that way because i know i've had guys that know that i just you know do taxidermy a little bit uh-huh. and they're they're sending me messages while they're in the middle of the mountains and stuff and they're like well what do i do and i'm like well i can tell you but i don't i don't know that i can really help you understand until you actually see it or you know it's right. it's tough so uh we'll have to have you back uh you know this summer and we'll maybe talk some some fishing and uh a little bit of whitetail and western species and stuff absolutely so, i would appreciate it absolutely that sounds likewise fantastic. good deal well um i guess we'll uh go ahead and sign off guys this has been fueled by the outdoors um i'm rick cates co-host chris leppert and we were joined today by matt defazio um and we really appreciate you coming on man uh, it was great having me guys. I, I really appreciate it and, uh, hope to do it again. <laughs> Heck yeah. Plan on it. All right. <laughs> sounds good. That sounds great guys. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.